The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Before we get started this episode of Bench with Bubba, I'd like to talk to you about Superdraft. It's a great way to play daily fantasy sports, and it's great because you play the players you want to play because you don't have to worry about the pricing because there is none. It's all about a multiplier point system. The riskier the play, the more points you could possibly earn, or you could play it safe with a 1x Christian McCaffrey and cash all the money like the rest of them. It's an awesome way to play. When you create your account, use promo code Bubba so whenever you make your first deposit because you can create your account and just play free games. You don't have to deposit a darn thing. Play free. Create your account. Use promo code Bubba, and eventually you can get a $10 deposit bonus when you make that first deposit. So go to Superdraft in your app store, superdraft.io online. Use promo code Bubba when you create your account to enjoy some football, basketball, hockey, golf, baseball, all that good stuff over at Superdraft. Also, if you can rating and review on iTunes, I'd much appreciate it. It would help the podcast out a ton as we got some fun stuff coming up for you the rest of the football season going into baseball season. But for now, welcome to Bench with Bubba, episode 222 with Bobby Koch talking some Week 9 fantasy football, looking ahead to Week 10. everybody to another episode of benched with bubba episode 222 gonna recap your week nine fantasy football action with a twist looking ahead to week 10 as always and i'm joined by a special guest you can find his work at dl football two qbs the super flex pod and that's with a z not an s my pronunciation is great like that he's on twitter at wrecked fantasy bobby Koch, how you doing man I'm doing great, Bubba, and I'm happy to join you today. And yeah, the Zuper Flex Pod is kind of hard to pronounce, so it is with a Z, and it's a uh, it's a combination. It's a very niche combination of animals and uh, quarterback talk. So if that sounds like something you might be interested in, check it out. Well, with the quarterback play we see these days, that makes total sense. Uh, so <laughs> hey, 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 you're good to go with that one. We'll have to check that out. But before we get started, I kind of mentioned the places where you can be found. But why don't you let everybody know what you got going on and uh, what they can find from you. 
Sure. So I typically publish my articles at uh, Dynasty League Football, as was mentioned. I tend to write more player valuations just because that's what stands out to me. So I'll write one-offs on particular players that I think are either being overvalued or undervalued in Dynasty. I haven't had quite as much time just because I'm currently in grad school, but I do try to write once in a while. And you can always find me on Twitter. I'm always happy to engage with pretty much anyone talking football or sometimes even other random stuff on Twitter as well. No doubt about it. Random stuff is what Twitter is all about. So big, big fan of that. Uh, we can have fun with that. But let's recap week nine here and uh, have some fun talking about this great game of football that we've seen over. We're, we're, at, we're past the halfway mark now. It's actually happening that fast. And um, it'll be over before you know it. So we'll kick it off with the Thursday night action that we saw. Niners at the Cardinals. Niners stay undefeated, and as we know it now, are the last undefeated team in baseball. Hang on to win t- or f- football. Sorry, doing so many podcasts, it gets fun. <laughs> um, they won 28-25 over the Cardinals, and uh, it was a weird game because usually, Bobby, when we watch the Niners, it's run, run, run. Well, they ran well, but Jimmy G, over 300 passing yards and four touchdowns. Are you a guy that can believe this stays, or is this kind of a – a system game where you're facing a Cardinals defense and they took advantage of it. It's a little bit of both. You know, two weeks ago they traded for Emmanuel Sanders, who I've always been a big fan of. And I'm not just saying this because I've been trying to sell him in the dynasty leagues that I have him in. So if you're listening, make sure to send me offers, but Emmanuel (laughs) Sanders is a great player. And you've seen all these videos of him practicing at home with his jug machine. I think he adds an element they didn't have before, which is just a guy who knows how to get it done and make catches. Cause they had a lot of young, somewhat exciting guys at their wide receiver position before, but they were inexperienced and it was showing. So I think there is more balance to be had with the 49ers, but at the same time, you know that Kyle Shanahan wants to run the ball with Matt Breida and Tevin Coleman as much as he can. Agreed. They didn't trade for Sanders just to have him out there as a decoy. It's almost like they had Debo Samuel who they drafted. They had Dante Pettis from the year ago that they really wanted to use. And I guess they just weren't catching on fast enough. So, you know, you go get a Sanders who the Broncos wanted to get rid of. And if for some, we don't know that whole story. There's a lot of thoughts on that, but nothing official. But um, you'd imagine getting a guy like Sanders, you want to use him. So they're, they're utilizing him in that respect. And he looked great. Seven for 112 and a score in only a second game with the club. That was pretty darn impressive. But they are going to run the ball, like you said. Brita was good. Coleman's been great since healthy. There's a lot to like there. When we talk about running the football, let's go to the Cardinals side of things. They go and acquire Kenyon Drake because David Johnson's out. Um, Edmonds is going to be out for a few weeks. He might lose all his playing time if Drake does what he did. Just for people listening now, as of Monday, uh, David Johnson was practicing and doing football activities. Like he's basically – he should be playing this weekend. But we can wait and see there. But Kenyon Drake, 15 carries, 110 yards, a touchdown. He looked great. And as a Bobby, you probably don't know, but listeners of the show know I've been a lifelong Dolphins fan, and I was always furious that they never used Kenyon Drake because I knew the talent was there. Watching him just go bananas on Thursday night primetime football was about as depressing as you can get as a Dolphins fan. That, besides them winning this weekend, that was depressing too. (laughs) But um, Kenyon Drake, with DJ coming back, how do you kind of foresee this going? Pure speculation because DJ – we know when he gets hurt, he can stay hurt for a while, as we saw last year. Are you buying into Kenyon Drake, or do you just kind of wait and see? Sure. Well, first of all, I'm sorry that you're a Dolphins fan. If it makes you feel any better, I am a Giants fan, so I don't think we're that far off from each other right now. Yeah, yeah and you get to watch him on primetime tonight, too. 
I, I'm actually going to be in class for part of it, but I will uh, I will come home and uh, see them not being great, I'm sure, and losing to the Cowboys, <laughs> which always drives me crazy. But uh, back to Drake. So, you know, it's interesting. I felt the same way. It's surprising what happens when a team utilizes a player's strengths instead of trying to force him into their scheme. So that's pretty much what happened with Kenyon Drake. That said, I'm a big David Johnson guy, and I'm not just saying that because I drafted him in SFB and really need him to come back and be strong. But I'm saying that because David Johnson, when he's on the field, is a workhorse. As you said, when he gets unhealthy, he does have a tendency to have these injuries linger. But I think he would probably relegate Kenyon Drake back to a relief role, which in the Cardinals offense, we've seen can have some value. So I think Drake can be kind of a flex guy going forward. But if you're relying on him as anything more than that, I'd be a little worried. And the crazy thing is, is I agree, he can be a flex. We saw Edmonds before the week where he went nuts because Johnson was out. He was still getting you like 10 to 14 points in a PPR league, which is outstanding. It's beautiful flex. Heck, that's a good running back too on these bye weeks. That That's beautiful. Uh, Kenyon Drake can definitely be that guy. So yeah, by no means are we saying just drop him but obviously what he did this past week, going to be tough to do, but could definitely have a role in this dynamic Cardinals offense, like you were saying. Speaking of this uh, Cardinals offense, Kyler Murray, he went off for like 27 points and six touchdown leagues over the weekend or on Thursday, 241 yards, two touchdowns. We know he's running the ball more. He's throwing it all. Like there's no consistency. Like all of a sudden now Larry Fitzgerald's not involved. Kirk's back, but not fully the guy. He's, he, he technically, I guess, is the guy. But, you know, he's, he's, Isabella's getting it. Keyshawn Johnson's getting it. He's moving it all around. A, what's your thoughts on Kyler Murray after seeing him for half a season? And B, if you have to pinpoint someone in this passing game, who do you think you'd be looking at? Sure. So Kyler is a guy that I really liked, although I unfortunately have zero shares of. And I think part of that is I always root for underdogs. And so people talking about how undersized he was made me want to root for him. Just to put it out there for your listeners who may not know, Russell Wilson is my personal favorite quarterback in the entire league and has been for a number of years. So to see him have an MVP-like season is great. And Kyler is doing very well himself. He's In terms of our game, he's 10th in points per game among fantasy quarterbacks through the halfway point. And the offense, I think, I mean, I always think about it from a dynasty's perspective. So the more time they have together, the more things are going to click and they might even draft another wide receiver next year or maybe trade or sign a guy. So ultimately, if I could, I'd be trying to buy Kyler before he has a second year blow up. Although I guess Baker Mayfield has made me a little more cautious <laughs> on doing stuff like that. But uh, in terms of the guys that I'm targeting in that passive and offense, I'd say Christian Kirk would be my number one target depending on the price. But if not, if I can get, cheap shares of Johnson, as you mentioned, I think you could probably at least in dynasty leagues, get him for like a third round rookie pick. That might be a move I make before Larry Fitzgerald moves on and he gets more, possibly more volume in that offense. And I have a feeling that we might see as much as Fitz is meant to that organization. I think he even understands, you know, I, I'm, I'm not here for the long haul anymore. And this is now Kyler's team. This is a Kingsbury's offense. They need to figure things out. Fitz feels like the guy that would be willing to kind of take that step back and say, like, you know, the last four or five weeks of the year is, if you want to run these kids out there, run them out there. I got no problem with that. So we'll have to wait and see how that goes. That's a good call. Maybe jump on those guys a little early. 
Let's head to London. Texans, Jags. Texans just beat down the Jaguars 26-3. It could be the end of Minshew Mania, Bobby. It was a rough out for him. Still went for 309 yards, two picks. I watched a little bit of the game. It wasn't all his fault to me. It did When he had his chances, it didn't look great. But he was running for his life a lot. I saw a lot of drop passes. I, I'm also a Minshew fan. What, what do you think is going to happen there? Because everyone's pretty much saying he screwed up this week. It's Foles time after the bye week. Do you, are you are you a believer in it being Foles time? Yeah, so I don't know if you saw Ryan McDowell's uh, tweet, but he personally blamed me for uh, Minshew having a bad <laughs> week. And it's because, so I'm doing No Shave November, and I'm actually purposely doing the mustache because when I grow a mustache, I look like Gardner Minshew. And so I really need Minshew to do well so that I can continue feeding into this hype and (laughs) raising money for men's health. Uh, That said, on October 27th, I tweeted, and this is where I'm going to get a little stat heavy, but Gardner Minshew was one of 11 quarterbacks since 1950 to have 1,900 passing yards or more in his first eight games. On that list, he was second in passing touchdowns, and he had the best interception percentage. I know he's a little fumble prone. And I also know he had a horrible week in London and everyone is very prone to being recent bias, but this is a guy that I think should be getting the opportunity to start. I know Nick Foles is going to pair with uh, Filippo, if I'm pronouncing that right, and they won a Super Bowl together. But honestly, if I was the Jaguars, I would want to stick with the guy who has the cheap rookie contract that I could build around and get him some confidence and experience and keep Foles as a very expensive backup and look to trade him in the offseason. But I am very, very biased because I was totally into the Minshew mania too. Yeah, the Minshew mania was great. And I, and I agree with everything you said there. It's like, look at the Jags. They're four and five. They might not have been four and five if it wasn't for Minshew. Like if you had a other you know, quarterback back there trying to, to get things done. So it's tough to kind of um, just push him aside because of one outing, let alone a London outing where – Things just go wrong a lot. We the Bears just lost to the Raiders in London for crying out loud. I know now, <laughs> but now looking back, the Raiders might be the better football team. But at that point in time, we thought it should have been pretty easy for the Bears to go in there and take care of business. So I don't want to put one start on Gardner Minshew here. I think he's very talented. I think he gives a team with the weapons that the Jags have a lot to play with. I'm not saying Foles isn't good, but we've seen – like the last four or five weeks, what Minshew can do, it's it's pretty good to just throw it away on one outing. But guess we'll wait and see. We'll see if the dollar outweighs the talent level in Jacksonville. On the Houston side of things now, Carlos Hyde, my goodness. I think the Chiefs might like him right now. 19 carries for 106 yards. It's another 100-yard game. He's running very, very well. Uh, Duke Johnson, even uh, he had a couple carries, but he had some big uh, catches, five for 68. He was utilized as well. Are you buying into this Hyde Hyde, uh, explosion, like it's going to keep happening, or are you kind of holding out some uh, speculation? I'm holding out, and I say that having been someone who always kind of liked Carlos Hyde, he had some obviously very good years with the 49ers, but I just, I don't know. I have trouble buying into it, and I think part of that is in that offense, everything kind of revolves around Deshaun Watson. And Watson is the sort of quarterback who will take off and run every once in a while. So it's hard to buy into their running game because if Watson takes the rushing touchdowns and you're relying on 
Hyde or Duke to get a lot of either receiving or rushing yards. And week to week, that's going to depend on the defense they're facing. So I don't know. I personally am happy to let someone else buy, but I'm curious what your thoughts are on it. It's one of those that if this would happen about three weeks ago with all the bye weeks, I would have been, okay, let's do it. I find it hard to trust Hyde, maybe as a flex in the right matchups, but I play in a lot of pretty much all PPR leagues, and Hyde doesn't do PPR for me. So it's really touchdown dependent, or you need those monster games like you just had in London, and I'm not sure I can buy you in there because you made a great point on Watson will steal touchdowns. Heck, we've seen him throw, what, three or four, like two yards or fewer touchdowns to David Fells or Darren Fells. Like it's just it's one thing after another to take things away there. So Hyde's been great. If you need, if like you have injuries to your running backs, if you're experiencing bye weeks, sure, go for it. But I can't be a guy to buy into him. If many teams were passing on him, something's not all there in my opinion. So we'll wait and see you there. Talking about things that aren't all there, Dolphins-Jets. That was a <laughs> special football game. Now we have two one and seven teams, and the Bengals are the only winless team in football. Wait, no, they are still winless, yeah. Okay, I couldn't remember because they, they, they had hope at one point in time, and then that quickly left. Um, but the Dolphins win, and I said it as a fan, as long as Fitzpatrick's starting, they actually have a chance because he will give them opportunity, unlike Rosen, who runs around and fumbles the ball and you know things happen. But um, really ugly game. We're not going to get into the stats of it all. There's been a lot of injuries and things that have come out just on Monday alone, pretty early in the week. That we actually have to, in fantasy relevance, Bobby, have to talk about here. We'll start with Mark Walton. Literally dropped five minutes before we started recording. Mark Walton is suspended for four games for violating the substance abuse policy in the NFL. Usually that revolves around steroids. Not always, but usually PEDs, something along those lines. Kind of ironic, talking about Kenyon Drake going off. He'd be a nice fit there right now, Bobby. Don't know about you. But... um, if you're a Mark Walton owner, what would you do? And if you have the chance to pick up Kalen Balaj, what are your thoughts? Uh, so I am a Mark Walton owner, and I have him in a league where he is my fourth best running back probably. So I was somewhat relying on him to be a fill-in guy when needed. That said, I don't think anybody is looking at the Dolphins running backs and going, man, this really kills my championship chances. <laughs> uh, especially Kalen Balaj. I distinctly remember a play earlier in the year where he was thrown, I believe it was a screen, and it, he didn't even make any attempt at it. And if I recall, it might have even bounced off his helmet. It's He's just not a good football player, I'm sorry to say, since I know you're a Dolphins fan. Oh, no, he, he's not good at all. I'm with you. So I would stay away from Balaj. I think in 2020, they probably will go with another running back sometime in day two or day three. And Walton may either still get a chance or could be kind of a change of pace guy. So I'm not totally giving up on him. But this is the sort of news that you don't want happening when you're being given the chance to take a starting job and literally run with it. Yeah, they were, they were literally giving him the job going, okay, we traded Drake. We know Balaj is an every down back. This is your job. Don't screw it up. Yeah, he screwed it up. So, uh, shame to see there. Another shame is Preston Williams, who was just week in and week out getting better and better. Five for 72 and two scores. Left with an injury. We find out today it's a torn ACL. Obviously out the rest of the year. He's going to miss part of next season, most likely. Big, big hit here. Uh, Devontae Parker has been big in this offense. Mike Jacecki has actually been having a role of late again. With Fitzpatrick at quarterback, these things are possible. 
Um, there's Jerry and Grant. There's Hearns. There's Albert Wilson. With the loss of Preston Williams and say you want to still buy into this Miami passing attack, and if you don't, I totally understand. But they do play, <laughs> but they do play from behind a lot, so there is fantasy viability more often than not. What do you look at here? So early in the year, I actually talked up Kazeki, and I thought I was going to end up having to apologize for that. So I'm glad he's been coming on lately, and I guess I'll stick with my guns and say that Gazeki is a guy that I'd be looking at, especially because Fitzpatrick does like to throw to his tight ends. Uh, Devontae Parker, I need to put this out there. I have probably been as close to a hater as I can be. And uh, my friend Zach is a big Devontae Parker truther and has been for years. And so he's been rubbing it in my face that he's actually been somewhat fantasy relevant. Uh, that said, I will. So for dynasty purposes, I would be going out and I would be buying Preston Williams. And I say that because if you're, especially if you're a rebuilding team, targeting guys who are injured so that you can get them a little bit cheaper is always a good idea. And if you really think about it, the Dolphins are probably going to get maybe not necessarily Tua because he might go to the Bengals, but they could get Burrow or Herbert or someone else who is supposed to be a good rookie quarterback. And that could pair with Preston Williams and good things could happen. So I would be throwing some trade offers out there. And in fact, I have a, uh, it's a Monday, so I can't quite yet, but one of my league mates said that they would probably accept a third round pick for Preston Williams right now. And I am offering them a third and fourth as soon as I can tomorrow. That's a good call. And that's a good point you make about dynasty leagues. It's for all sports. Like when a guy gets hurt, but you know, he's coming back and with technology these days, we see these guys rebound from ACL injuries pretty well, get him the value you can. Cause they have made a point to use him in this offense. He's been very good once they've done that. So I think that's a great call there. And hopefully Jacecki can keep it going. Maybe Devontae Parker. We know Fitzpatrick will throw it. That's a given. So we'll see how that plays out. The other bit of news we have to keep an eye on, Le'Veon Bell. He touched the ball 25 times for about 120 yards or so combined on Sunday. But he had an MRI today. And I'll leave it to Adam Gates to be vague about something. But he, <laughs> he said, we're still waiting for the results. We'll let you know when we find out. So, we don't know what it is, but we also didn't think he was hurt enough to have an MRI. So keep an eye on Lev Bell. Do you have any thoughts on Lev Bell or just anything in general for the Jets offense, which has been an absolute disaster? So I just wrote about Lev Bell in my most recent article that I wrote on Halloween, and it was about uh, players scaring people in Dynasty and what to do with them. Lev Bell is an interesting one because he's actually returned RB middle RB2 type numbers despite playing with Luke Falk and uh, Trevor Simeon for most of the year. So that's actually pretty impressive, especially when you consider that he took the year off. That said, this Jets offense is scary bad. And I'm still a believer in Sam Darnold. He's impossibly young and he has a bad coach. And I know he's seeing ghosts and everyone's making fun of it. I think the Jets offense will be better next year. And Bell is signed to a decent sized contract, but I don't know. I personally, I never like to hold on to running backs too long. I have an aversion to, I should admit that I have an aversion to the position in general, where anytime I see a sell high opportunity on a running back, I almost always do it. With Bell, I'd be cashing out if I could for, in dynasty leagues, at least for any kind of first. And then in a redraft, if you could cash out for like a RB flex type, plus like another depth piece this year, I don't think it would hurt necessarily, especially if you could do it before more news drops that might be even worse for him. 
yeah, if he's really hurt or even just playing on the Jets because his workload is super high, but the production hasn't been quite what we'd hoped for. Like It was early on, like you were saying, but it, it's been dying off the last few weeks since Darnold came back. Let's talk Bills, Redskins. Bills went 24-9. They're 6-2. and two. Don't know how they're doing it, but they're getting it done. Josh Allen looks actually decent. But uh, we saw Dwayne Haskins. They definitely limited what he had to do back there. Kept it real simple. And part of that was running the ball with Adrian Peterson. 18 carries for 108 yards. He, he, he's toting the rock. And if he's going to tote the rock like this uh, with Haskins at quarterback, do you have any uh, fantasy viability with Adrian Peterson this season? You know, it's interesting because if Dwayne Haskins is back there with as bad as he's looked, I'm not sure that Adrian Peterson doesn't always just face a stacked box like he did in the Viking days. And I'm not sure that he is either A, healthy enough or B, young enough to get over a stacked box. So I'll be interested to see what teams do to the Redskins after this. But if I was coaching any team against them, I would dare Dwayne Haskins to throw the ball. Yeah, it's it's been ugly, so I'm surprised that I I was really surprised until I saw the the box score and it made sense uh, when looking at the score of how little they had him throw the ball and it was a lot of check down short passing game type stuff. Keep out of trouble. Welcome to the NFL, kid. Um, when you talk about him passing the ball, Terry McLaren four catches, 39 yards, had six targets. His numbers have gone down week after week, and a lot of it has coincided with Haskins getting in the games. As long as Haskins quarterback, do you have any hope that McLaren gives us the production we saw to start the season? It's kind of interesting, right? Because one of the reasons I brought into McLaren to begin with was the fact that I thought Haskins would eventually be the quarterback and they played in college together. So I was betting on that chemistry. What I wasn't betting on was the fact that he would play better without Haskins. And I just tweeted about this earlier today, actually. But in the five games before uh Haskins came in or anything like that in the first five games of the season Terry McLaren was averaging 81.6 yards per game in his last three he's averaging 29 yards per game it's really hard to say that he's going to help you this year if Haskins is starting because even with Colt McCoy and I'm blank uh, Colt Case Keenum at quarterback we've heard from this coaching staff that Dwayne Haskins was not ready which to me, suggests a lot about Dwayne Haskins as a developmental quarterback. So if you're looking for him to help you this year, you might want to move on from McLaurin. But again, if you're in Dynasty, this might be a good time to send out some offers. It is weird how he, you would think, would be so much better with this college quarterback, where they dominated in the Big Ten. But uh, obviously the NFL is not the Big Ten. So uh, maybe, maybe just take some more time with Haskins. He just looks... Like he's not quite ready, like many thought, and, and maybe just takes him a little longer to develop, which it does for most young quarterbacks. Not everybody can just step in. And get it does make me uh, happy that the Giants decided to pass on him, which I did not feel at the draft time. I was, I thought if they had to take a quarterback, I was rooting for Haskins. So it's weird to feel better about having Daniel Jones and Haskins at the moment. I'd say about you and about 99% of all other Giants fans felt the same <laughs> way, at least from what I watched on Twitter and on TV that night. It seemed like everybody was ready to burn down the Giants front office for not taking Dwayne Haskins. And then all of a sudden, Daniel Jones, Duke quarterback, what is this? Yeah, it's uh, he's actually looked decent. I know he's having some setbacks of late, but there's something to see there, I think, with Danny Dimes. So that'll be fun going forward. Another rookie running back for the Buffalo Bills, Devin Singletary. Last week, we saw the workload increase on his like first game back from injury. This week, they really made him the featured back. 20 carries, 95 yards, and a score. 
Frank Gore only had 11 carries. Singletary also had four targets for three catches and 45 yards. He's looking like the RB1 in Buffalo. Is he now an every week starter for you, Bobby? Yeah, I have to say he is. And, you know, it's weird to say that about a Buffalo player. Uh, and I agree with you. It's weird to think that the Buffalo is actually a good team, especially with how much <laughs> people joke about Josh Allen. But Devin Singletary, he's been really good for fantasy when he's on the field. And we started to see it before he got hurt. And then he got hurt, and Frank Gore kind of made people forget a little bit how good he was just because Frank Gore got volume, I think. But Singletary definitely has some really good aspects of his game, and it translates very well to fantasy. So if I have him, I can't imagine that I have too many bad, or sorry, too many better starting options than him at this point. Yeah, I didn't put him out there this week. I thought I had better plays. After watching the workload I saw, he's going to be tough to sit going forward outside of maybe playing the Patriots or something. Uh, we'll, we'll have to see as time goes on. But let's move on to Vikings at Chiefs. Chiefs win 26-23. Last second field goal takes it on home. Some interesting takeaways here when looking at the Vikings offense in this one, Bobby. Adam Thielen was questionable all week. He sets up the play and plays like a couple snaps. Gets one target, done for the game. Stefan Diggs gets four targets, one catches for four yards. One catch, I should say, for four yards. Very bleak week there. Dalvin Cook only runs for 71 yards, gets four catches on 45. They spread it out all over the place. Do you have any concerns with this or just because they were just, you know, in Kansas City against a good Kansas City pass defense? It's a combination of both. We've seen the Vikings offense be very hit or miss this season. So it's not that out of question that something like this would happen to them. And then you also have the addition of Adam Thielen has his hamstring injury that he got making that ridiculous touchdown catch. So I think uh, I am concerned about Adam Thielen. I don't think he's going to play for probably at least a few games. I'm not a doctor, but that's just my best guess as to what happens there. Uh, Stefan Diggs, maybe I, it's just me. I've never fully bought into Diggs. He always kind of struck me as a guy who, one week would flash and then the next week would just totally disappear. So this doesn't strike me as that out of character for him, but I was curious if you think it's out of character for him. Cause there are definitely some people that are big dig supporters, but I've never counted myself among them. I've liked digs. I think digs to me, and this could be totally wrong and people might hate me for this is like a cheap, a poor man's Tyreek Hill. If that mm. makes sense. Like I'd rather take the chances on Tyreek in an electric offense where Diggs is going to have, you you know, five games a year maybe where he just goes crazy. And there's a lot of weeks where you're just kind of holding it going, yeah, this wasn't worth the draft value where I'm getting him right now. So it's tough with, with a guy like like Diggs. He can be very good, and he's usually better when Thielen's out of the game. So uh, this week was weird. I did see some tweets this week by, I can't remember if it was Barrett or, or one of those other really, really sharp minds pointing out that the Chiefs secondary – is actually much better than people think, like much, much mm -hmm. better. And they're more of a tight end funnel or running back passing game. And it showed this week, like Rudolph gets in the end zone, gets five targets. Irv Smith had six targets. You had, you had mentioned Dalvin Cook. Amir Abdullah got in the end zone on a catch. A lot more came out of the backfield and through the tight ends than elsewhere. So there might be something else to it. That's why I kind of want to maybe see how it goes. Maybe Diggs is in for a nice bounce back for guys that play DFS this week after a, a dud but it is interesting. So I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I'm not usually the biggest digs guy either. Um, let's talk about the Chiefs running back situation. On a show I did last week, 
I mentioned, and you probably saw it as well, after the McCoy fumble, it was the Damian Williams show. Andy Reid didn't want to play around. This week, McCoy had three carries. Damian Williams had 12 for 125 and a score. He also tacked on two catches for three yards. It looks like people might get their Williams uh, special they wanted in draft season. Are you buying into this change of pace? So it's weird, right? People have been taking victory laps on Damian Williams on both sides, it feels like, all season, where one week he'll have a good week and all the truthers are like, see, we told you he's something special. And then the next week he'll put up a total dud and people who were negating him will take a victory lap. And it feels like it's somewhere in the middle where I'd say right now it's definitely trending towards more Damian Williams is going to be a good play probably for the rest of the season. But it's definitely been a seesaw. And I will admit I was someone who did not believe in Damian Williams. It's just it would have been one thing if he was like a second year running back who never got his chance. And he the most he ever had in one season was like 400 yards from scrimmage. But when you're four or five years into league, and I know he was also on the Dolphins, so that's a part of it. Sorry, Bubba. But it's, uh, uh, facts are facts. I can't deny them. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, when you're four or five gears into your career and you're, the most you've ever had is 400 yards from scrimmage, I'm not necessarily interested, even if the situation is great. That said, I think Damon, Damian Williams will be a good play going forward. So I need to eat crow a little bit on that. I was not on him as well this year, so I totally understand what you're saying. It's just people kept preaching it in the, in the draft season. I know you saw it, that you want the running back in Andy Reid's system, and it's been true. It's been 100% true. I just didn't think it would be him. Uh, I thought it would be Shady, and then Shady blew it. So it, it's the Williams show until otherwise notified. Maybe he fumbles this week, and we're back to Shady. We'll see. But uh, Williams looked really, really good. Let's go Bears-Eagles. Eagles went 22-14 to in a very not pretty football game at all. And speaking of not pretty, the Bears' offense is not pretty. David Montgomery, I don't like to use the term a lot, but I'm going to luck boxed in the two touchdowns this week. Tyreek Cohen fell down at the one for one of them. So he, he should have only got one, if not, but he got two. He's about the lone bright spot. Taylor Gabriel, three for 69, I guess. But all in all, this Bears' offense has been dreadful. Going forward, how do you go about like attacking these guys in fantasy do you trust starting day montgomery every week do you go to the receivers what do you do with this bears offense because it's it's not good yeah i i should probably admit some bias here of like i seem to have a proclivity for bad quarterbacks and <laughs> by that i mean like i have a signed picture of blake bortles in my apartment that i got as a gift so take this uh with a grain of salt but i was a big Mitchell Trubisky supporter and part of that was I just liked calling myself a super trooper and I made images of him wearing like Mario hats and also in the super trooper or super trooper uh uniform with my bad photoshop skills but he uh he is not a good quarterback I can confidently say that now you know when you're talking about a guy in his third year it kind of gives me flashbacks actually to Bortles when they're talking about changing his mechanisms in his third year and you're talking about he's just now watching film of himself and trying to learn what he's doing wrong. There's just something off there, and he's probably not long for starting. Uh, in Dynasty, though, I would be trying to buy the negativity because he only has about a year left on his deal after this. And I doubt they pick up his fifth-year option. And it wouldn't shock me to see them bring in someone for competition next year. And that someone could actually end up starting and be a better option. So you might be able to get 
a guy like Anthony Miller or Allen Robinson while they're having down years and then hope that this new quarterback can make them better. I know it's a little bit of a long shot, but we have seen some of that with some other guys in the league. So I think it is worth a shot. I love these fantasy uh, dynasty angles you're bringing to it because we are, like I said, we're past the halfway point and some teams are out of it. And that's why you play dynasty. Those you keep rebuilding and do things and you're making very good points is when we're sitting here, you know, talking negatively or clowning on certain teams or players or whatever. There's something to be found there at a discount and uh, that can definitely be utilized. And I wouldn't have, the first thing on the top of my head would not have been to go target Gabriel or, or these guys in the passing game. And, I think you're that makes a ton of sense when you mention it that way. Yeah, I got to credit. Uh, sorry, real quick, I just got to credit John Bosch on that. He uh, he and I talk about this all the time, but he calls he actually has a podcast about it now, and it's called By the Panic. And it's essentially whenever there's an island game and a player has a bad island game, you should send out offers for that player and try to buy them on the cheap in dynasty leagues. And it applies pretty much all across. Where if you see guys getting clowned on, but they put on fantasy points regardless and this is what i call like the blake bortles garbage time stuff you can send out cheap offers because the perception is these players are so bad but points are points and they're still getting you fantasy points yep points are definitely points so i think that's a, a very very valid points um you know I'm, I'm a fan of points or points i was the one telling you guys to play dolphins receivers so i, I totally get it uh let's talk on the eagles uh side of things it gets messy zach Ertz, big game we expected that with Djax back. It's been a, a correlation thing. But Djax isn't going to be back for long as he's going to go under undergo surgery for an abdominal muscle, usually as an oblique or something along those lines. And he's likely out for the year. With Djax being out yet again, we kind of saw how the offense worked. What would you be targeting? Like we saw Goddard play much better. Um, you know, Aguilar's had his moments, but you got Jeffrey, Miles Sanders. What are you looking at in this Eagles offense for the second half of the season? So I'm a big Miles Sanders fan, and I uh, I track I like to track rookie stats throughout the season, and I've been tracking his. And in terms of uh, yards from scrimmage, he's over the last ten seasons, he's one of 29 running backs to hit 600 or more yards in their first nine career games. He is 25th on that list in terms of yards from scrimmage, but he actually has the second fewest touches. So he's been hyper effective. And he's been uh, getting much more run in the run game and seeing more of the passing down work, even though Sproles is healthy. So he's certainly a guy that I am targeting. Uh, I will say I like both Ertz and Goddard. I think that people were proclaiming Ertz, quote unquote, dead for fantasy purposes a little bit too early. And I think the goal will be to get whoever is open the ball in terms of the tight ends. The wide receiver group, I don't know about you, Bubba, but I find them a bit uninspiring. I've always kind of liked Alshon Jeffrey, but he's definitely on the older side of things and constantly has some kind of leg injury. And then outside of that, I don't really know what wide receiver is someone that you actually want to talk about. Yeah, that is the hard part with this offense is, you know, the, the offensive line seems to be getting kind of beat up. The overall offense has struggled. Like Miles Sanders seems like a guy – that could be in play this year. Dallas Goddard, they've, they've utilized a lot of late. And you might be able to grab those kind of guys. But the rest of it, I'm not like, I'm with you. Alshon Jeffries, he's nice and all, but he's not really getting me the ceiling I'm looking for for what you probably have to pay for him these days. And then Nelson Aguilar is just a drop waiting to happen. So it's uh, very, very frustrating. 
with that Philadelphia Eagles offense and might be one to either just kind of watch or wait till later because it, it's it's very 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 tricky on that one. Speaking of injuries, Colts Steelers Steelers win 26-24. Adam Vinatieri misses a last second field goal to win that game. Big storyline though, Jacoby Brissett started out the game strong, have, is having a very very good season. Left the game diagnosed with an MCL sprain in his knee. No timetable for return. It's one of those, you know, you can brace it up and play this weekend. I would be surprised if he plays this weekend. That leads to Brian Hoyer, who actually played very well as a backup and then fed it to guys like Zach Pasquale and, and Paris Campbell. We'll, we'll just combo this all together. Paris Campbell's now out with a broken hand, so that's not going to be an option. But you got Pasquale, you got Rodgers, Doyle, A, Bobby. Do you have any interest in a guy like Brian Hoyer? Yeah, you know, Hoyer is one of those guys who's been around the league forever and has shown that when given the opportunity, he can provide some solid fantasy fill-in week. So as gross as it is, he's one of those guys that I'd say points are points, and if you need it, just hold your nose and plug him into your lineup. Yeah, he's a very competent uh, backup quarterback. We've seen that time and time again. And that leads to guys like Zach Pasquale, who I liked last week coming into the week. When I knew T.Y. Hilton was out, he got the workload again. He's gotten the workload the last three or so weeks. Big part of that offense. Still rumors that T.Y. might miss another week or two. We'll see. You never know. Uh, Jack Doyle was involved, like I said. Maybe more Chester Rogers with no Paris Campbell. Uh, is, is Zach Pascal the only guy you might have interest in? Or are there other guys in the receiving core that kind of stand out with the opportunity right now? Uh, Pascal's definitely the guy that I have the most interest in. However, Given that's how I feel, I'm sure opposing defenses will be covering him as much as possible. Um, the other guy, and I know you didn't mention him, and it might have been intentional, might have not. Eric Ebron could see more targets as a result of just the lack of receiving options right now. So he might be someone to keep an eye on. I know he's kind of had an up and down season after he had such a good season last year but he is someone who has shown a capability to receive a football and the Colts need someone who can receive a football right now. Uh, that's a good call. And he's probably available in a lot of places. Yeah, they, they do run two tight end sets once in a while too with Ebron and Doyle. So definitely an option for you. And, and Doyle went to the end zone this last week on a ball that many said should have been Ebron's. So maybe Ebron is the guy to target there. There's no, question about that when we go to the Steelers side of things no James Conner this past week there's rumors he might be out for another week or two as well Jalen Samuels 13 catches for 73 yards which is outstanding only eight carries for 10 yards so we all we already knew Samuels was in play regardless but Trey Edmonds had 12 carries for 73 yards if Conner's out does a guy like Trey Edmonds stand out to you as an ad uh, if say you're needing another running back if you say you had Mark Walton uh, you need a flex running back. Is Trey Edmonds a guy that interests you at all? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I can put my money or I put my money where my mouth is by putting basically my entire waiver budget in the Scott Fishbowl on Trey Edmonds, just in case these uh, injuries last a while. And the waiver's not super full of options, but at the same time, I did invest a significant amount. And I did it in a few leagues just because I had a feeling that one the Steelers are a good running offense. And two, it seemed like a bunch of their running backs have nicks and bruises that are starting to pile up besides just James Conner. So he is a guy that I would be looking at. And uh, if you're a Mark Walton owner and he is somewhere out there for you, he's probably a, 
very good replacement for Mark Walton and probably maybe even better than Mark Walton. I love it. Yeah, I'm going to have to go get him in a few places because I have a couple teams that have hit the injury bug at the running back position. So Trey Edmonds will hopefully be on a few of my rosters after tomorrow night. Uh, let's go Titans-Panthers. Panthers win 30-20. to 20. I was big on Derrick Henry all week. He did, barely didn't touch the ball in the first half. Don't know what their offense was. And they didn't score. Then they gave him the ball, and they, they made a comeback. So coaching 101 strikes again. Um, how do we assess this Titans? Titans, we, we, we know the rushing game goes through Henry. And mm-hmm. Tannehill's been good. Tannehill's been very good for three weeks now. Like, <laughs> sneaky good. But how do you assess their passing options? Because uh, you got A.J. Brown, you got Humphreys, you got Corey Davis. Even Deion Lewis was used quite a bit this past week. Basically, what I'm trying to say is Tannehill's throwing it around to a lot of options. If you had to pick one or two to go forward in fantasy with, who do you kind of trust here? Yeah, I think uh, my dynasty bias is going to show a little bit on this, as well as just the fact that he has been their most consistent receiver. So I'm going to say A.J. Brown. Uh, A.J. Brown has been pretty good for a rookie wide receiver and generally has had more receiving yards than Corey Davis, who I also like. But the thing that I tend to do with receivers, I don't chase touchdowns just because, as we know, they can be very fluky and vary from week to week. But I definitely chase when I see a guy who's consistently getting the most receiving yards on his team. And to me, that has been A.J. Brown. And when you consider next season, I highly doubt they're picking up Marcus Mariota's fifth-year option. They're probably going to be starting someone new too, if not trading for a quarterback from another team. So if we're talking about dynasty purposes, again, A.J. Brown is someone that I would be targeting. However, his price has probably already hit his peak, at least in terms of what you can acquire him for. So you may want to wait for him to have a string of a few bad games if he does. Yeah, his name's pretty popular these days, so good good point there. You might pay a little more than you need to at this point in time, but the talent level we've seen, especially with the quarterbacks he's getting utilized by right now, pretty impressive. And, and you're right about the touchdown things. Ask Leonard Fournette what it's like not to score a touchdown. So it's super <laughs> fluky there. And then in, in, opposite the Titans in this game, you had Run CMC, who just continues week in and week out to just go absolutely bananas. Uh, Kyle Allen. He's doing a decent job. He's winning football games for him as much as people clown him. You got more. You got Samuel in the passing game. Is there anything that stands out to you in this offense, or is it just like the run CMC show, couple pass catchers, and we move on? Uh, yeah, there are things that stand out. I would like to point out, by the way, that before this season started, someone tweeted something like, the Bengals have the best running back duo in the league. <laughs> and I tweeted back at them that Christian McCaffrey by himself would like to have a word. And oh, all of Bengals Twitter pretty much hates me now. I'm sorry, Bengals Twitter. It's still true. Christian McCaffrey is better than all of your running backs. And he's better than all of the running backs pretty much in the league, maybe outside of Saquon Barkley. But I still think he's probably better. Um, that said, I am a huge DJ Moore guy. And in fact, before the season started, I said that if he continued the way he was going, I think that by next offseason, he's going to be a second round uh, dynasty startup value. And he obviously I thought Cam Newton would be throwing him the ball at that point. But uh, he's been playing pretty well with Kyle Allen. He hasn't been getting the touchdowns. He's another one of those guys that seems to have a touchdown aversion. And I actually have a bet 
of uh, him versus Curtis Samuel and PPG and Curtis Samuel keep getting the touchdowns is really screwing me there. It's much closer than it should be, but I am a big DJ Moore fan. And I think that he is a superstar in the making. And if they get him a quarterback that is not Kyle Allen, as well as Kyle Allen has played for them, I think that he will eventually ascend to the superstar level. Well, Cam Newton should be back soon, but if not, the Lions and the Raiders, they had two quarterbacks playing this weekend as the Raiders went 31-24, and this was a fun one. And coming into the season, Bobby, I don't know about you, but if we looked at Lions-Raiders on the schedule, <coughs> not sure we would have thought fun one. But uh, it turned out to be pretty entertaining as both these offenses have started playing much, much better. Talking about the Lions running back situation, we know when Carryon Johnson went down, people wanted Ty Johnson. He had nine carries. He led the backfield in carries, but... McKissick had four for 32. He was the most productive. And he's been getting used in the pa- uh, the passing game in back-to-back weeks. Right now, he looks like the guy to own in fantasy. Do you agree with that, or do you see someone else if you need to take a shot? Like we mentioned, you know, we're, we're taking the Trey Edmonds. We're looking for anything we can to grab onto right now. Is J.D. McKissick the guy you're going to grab? I suppose he would be, but honestly, my advice would be just don't Stay use away. the Lions running back. <laughs> Fair enough. They – I admittedly have Matthew Stafford on a team that was supposed to be rebuilding and it's currently in playoff contention, although very fringe playoff contention because he's had an insane year passing the ball. It's almost like the Lions remembered that this is a guy who, when he has a ton of pass attempts, just destroys the football field. So, you know, Marvin Jones is very relevant again. Kenny Galladay is obviously very relevant. They're the Lions are just not a team that is known for their run game. And when carry on was there, I was a little interested, but without carry on, I can't say I'm at all interested. It is tough. I agree with you. It's very, it'd be grasping at the smallest straws to make that one work. Uh, you mentioned the passing game with Galladay and Jones, TJ Hawkinson monster start to the year. It's been super quiet of late. Did have seven targets, three for 56 this week. The Raiders are a team. You can attack with the tight end. Are you thinking that Hawkinson could have a big second half as the, you know, the rookie gets more experience in the league? Or are you still kind of hesitant after watching some of those down games that it might not be as consistent as we like? Yeah. Uh, so after that first huge game that he had, I thought that Hawkinson, and I tweeted this too, so I, I got on my face, but I thought he had a chance to break the rookie receiving uh, tight end numbers. So that shows you how much I bought in and, I was all over Hawkinson after the draft. I thought he was a little bit better than uh, Font. But honestly, rookie tight ends are just hard to trust. I know there are a few exceptions that have happened, but they're really, really hard to trust. That said, in Dynasty, again, just because I always bring that slant, what you do is you wait for these the Hawkinson types or Fan or Njoku types from past years to disappoint. And then in like year three or four, when they're getting ready to break out, that's when you buy them. I don't, Hawkinson and Fant might have a breakout sooner than that, but I don't know about a second half breakout for this year. It's just really, really hard for me to put any kind of true faith in a rookie tight end. It's been tough to, to trust him week in and week out. That's for sure. Talking about the Raiders on the other side of this, uh, the passing game is getting better and better as the season's gone on. Maybe Gruden does know what he's doing after all, as they're playing some pretty good football. And a couple of things we've noticed, Darren Waller started out the season great, kind of taking a step back the last few games. Are you concerned with that? And also, 
Hunter Renfro the last few weeks has been getting it going. We saw on hard knocks how much Gruden loves Renfro, and he got the game-winning touchdown. He had seven targets, six for 54 this past week. He's becoming more of a playmaker in this offense as well. So first, are you concerned with Darren Waller at all? Second, are you buying into this Hunter Renfro action? Well, first, I have a question for you, which is, did you ever think the sentence Gruden might know more than we thought was something you'd be uttering? <laughs> no, especially after I watched him on Hard Knocks, knock on wood, if you're with me. Yeah, I am 100% with you. I I don't know. It's crazy that they gave him that 10-year contract. But anyway, uh, in regards to Waller, he's a guy that I'm interested in because they gave him that long contract extension and he's been playing well. But at the same time, and I know I'm probably going to make some people mad because I don't know if you've noticed this, Bubba, but people are more attached to tight ends than pretty much any position in the yep. entirety of football. It's really weird. If you come after someone's like preferred tight end, you pretty much have insulted their mother. So and I need to be careful <laughs> what I say here. But Waller kind of strikes me as somebody who is benefiting from the fact that the Raiders don't have a true wide receiver one. And they expected to have that in Antonio Brown, but obviously that didn't work out. Uh, Renfro is a guy that I'm interested in, definitely for dynasty purposes. However, two, and I might be making this up, but I think Tyrell Williams, if I recall, has been a little banged up the past few weeks. So I don't know how much I'd be reading into it for this season. And honestly, next season, I fully expect them to try to bring in some kind of star receiver or a true quote-unquote number one type guy, whether that's through the draft or a free agent signing or a trade. Kind of like an Antonio Brown, maybe? Or <laughs> or like Amari a Cooper. You know, he definitely wants to go back there if he doesn't sign with the Cowboys. I think he had great experiences. Man, imagine if Amari Cooper and uh, – and uh, oh, why am I blanking all of a sudden? Um, Khalil Mack, we're still in Oakland with the way this team's playing right now. Just, just imagine – but uh, I digress. We can't. Let's go to a team. Tampa Bay loses 34-40 to 40 in Seattle in overtime. And, Bobby, if I told you that Jameis Winston would throw for 335 yards and zero interceptions, you would think Tampa Bay might win this game. But, uh, I absolutely would. Yeah, it, it's wild what took place there. But one thing that might be a little more wild is Ronald Jones, 18 carries to Peyton Barber's four. Arians flat out came out and said, that Ronald Jones deserves being the every down back for the Tampa Bay Bucks. With that being said, do you believe this, and do you want to go get some Ronald Jones? Uh, you know, I don't know if whether I believe it matters or not, because kind of like the Lions, the Bucks running game doesn't really matter to me. And I know all points matter, but the thing is, Winston is a kind of guy who's just going to chuck it up, and that's why Evans – and uh, Godwin are just finding themselves on the top of fantasy charts everywhere. Run, they're running backs. I don't know that I can get that excited about who's the starter there. It is it is tough to care because they're going to throw it all over the place. And you have to imagine if uh, Winston throws a pick or two and they fall behind faster, maybe they don't even run the ball. And that's what we're used to seeing time and time again. So we'll be interesting to see there. And even guys like Bernard Perriman was eight targets out of the backfield. <laughs> so... I never you know, thought I'd hear the name Brashad Perriman and fantasy yeah. relevance again. It's been a while, and it probably be a while again after this week. So it, it was pretty crazy there. On the Seattle side of things, you have Tyler Lockett, you have DK Metcalf, both having monster games. We saw Evans and Godwin dominate the Tampa Bay side. One thing we did not necessarily see coming 
was Jacob Hollister, six targets, four catches, 37 yards, two touchdowns, looking a lot like that Will Disley character that was tearing it up for a couple weeks. Are we buying in to Jacob Hollister? Yeah, I'm not so sure about that, especially because they did just get Josh Gordon too. And so if they start to work Josh Gordon in, I just don't necessarily see enough targets going around to make their tight end relevant. Uh, There's something about the connection that Russell Wilson had with Will Disley that was really special. But honestly, my key takeaway from this is just that Russell Wilson is having an amazing season and I am super happy about it because, as I mentioned earlier, he is my favorite quarterback in the entire league. It has been awesome to uh, watch Russell just dominate in the way he kind of ended the game on those game-winning drives, just walking right down the field, basically, and taking taking care of business. Was He's got that confidence and that swagger, which is pretty darn impressive to watch. I got to watch it at Wisconsin when they played Nebraska uh, one night, and that was awesome. And I watched him in the Rose Bowl against uh, Oregon. They lost, but... That was a, a tough game to win, and he just he's just it doesn't matter out there. He doesn't care how big or small he is. He just has that confidence. And it's pretty impressive to watch, and it, it, you can see how it rubs off on his teammates. Because if you look at like the Seahawks roster this year, the the, the list wasn't named with just, it's like a list of just outstanding, top notch Pro Bowl players, but they're getting it done on offense, which is awesome to see. You know, that also applies to fantasy because he is on my SFB team and a lot of the guys I wouldn't say were like <laughs> Pro Bowl or All-Star guys and they are playing their hearts out for Russell Wilson. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. Let's see if these guys can play their hearts out for Brandon Allen. Broncos 24-19 and Brandon Allen's first career start. And he looked good. Kind of game. He looked like Joe Flacco. He game managed it, got it done, got some breaks to go his way like a Noah Font, just monster touchdown. He fed Cortland Sutton, novel concept, feed the guy that, that can help you the most. Um, he was good. Sutton, like I said, Sutton had his, Font had his. Are you good going forward with Sutton and Font, or do you still get worried that Brandon Allen's the quarterback? You know, Sutton was the guy I was trying to buy this offseason, and he is one that I'll definitely be kicking myself at not aggressing or not pursuing more aggressively. In a dynasty league, I almost had to trade for him where I gave up Julian Edelman in a second round pick, but the guy backed out at the last second. I should have thrown in a sweetener to get it done, and I'm going to live with that for a while. Sutton is starting to become one of those guys. If you just see the kind of ridiculous highlight catches that he makes, it I don't care who is throwing him the ball. If they get the ball in his general direction, he's going to be fine. Font, again, rookie tight ends make me a little nervous, but it is cool to see him starting to do something on the field. Yeah, it is cool. And yeah, it goes back to your tight end theory there. Sutton's a beast. So I'm hoping they keep feeding him the ball. No standards there should help quite a bit. When we talk about the Broncos side of things, this has been bad. We've all seen the Baker Mayfield memes. Uh, Chubb, 20 carries for 65 yards. Beckham, I was watching the end of that game. He had five for 87, but there's a couple wide open deep balls. Never got saw. He he kind of muttered to the CBS sideline person that that's how his season's going. Jarvis Landry's been formidable in PPR leagues. How do you approach this team from a fantasy impact? Do you just keep starting Chubb, Landry, and Beckham, or do you get kind of concerned right now? Yeah, it's interesting. I have a uh, I have a good friend who's a Browns fan in a dynasty league with me where I have a ton of rookie draft capital. And for a while, just to kind of mess with him, but also just to test how far it would go, I would keep offering him about two firsts for Baker Mayfield because it's a super flex league and it would make him sweat pretty much every week. Uh, This week is the first week I've decided not to do that. 
And part of my thinking is that I almost want to take my chances on a rookie quarterback more so than take on Baker right now, which I may end up regretting. That said, for this particular season, I think you mentioned it already, but Jarvis Landry has been fine in PPR leagues. He's kind of getting those garbage time receptions that are keeping him relevant and flex worthy. Odell occasionally has a good game, but it is very concerning that Baker basically never looks for him. And it seems like Freddie Kitchens, who I never, I never like to be the guy to say, I hope someone is fired, but in this case, I hope he is fired because he just doesn't seem to know how to call plays for this offense. So I am worried about Odell. I am a bit worried about Chubb because if you're playing from behind so much, that's not good for the run game. But Jarvis Landry is a guy that I think you can still start, especially, I mean, unless you're playing in really shallow leagues, I don't necessarily see how you're sitting Landry week to week. There may be some other guys who start occasionally over him, depending on matchups, but I'd be pretty confident rolling him out there most leagues in a PPR league. Yeah, I'm with you. He's getting almost double-digit targets most most games. In a PPR league, he's getting like five or more catches most weeks. He's a tack on 50-plus yards. He's going to get you double-digit points. It's, uh, it's, it's a good safety net more often than not. And you, you just hope that OBJ gets his eventually, but it's getting frustrating to say the least. We want to talk frustration. Green Bay Packers go into Los Angeles, lose 26-11 to 11 to the Chargers. This was a shocker to me. I don't know about you, Bobby. Shocker. Um, Devontae Adams returns from injury. He gets action early and often. It just wasn't great. He had 11 targets, 7 for 41. The Packers were a mess. Um, what's your thoughts on this? Was this kind of, we'll just tack this up to a, a bad game and we'll still keep our confidence in the Packers, or do you have any concern here? Yeah, I believe it was uh, Scott Barrett who tweeted this earlier, and it was kind of eye-opening, even though uh, he himself said causation is not correlation. But apparently in games that Devontae Adams has played versus games that he hasn't played, the Packers have played much better when Adams hasn't been in the lineup, which is just an interesting thing to look at. It makes me wonder if when he's in there, they're trying to force him the ball a bit too much. I'm really not sure about that. Um, just a kind of floating it out there as a possibility. And they do have uh, they do have two very good running backs in Jones and Jamal Williams. So I like their run game. Their receivers outside of Adams, it's hard to tell who's going to go off week to week. But it's hard for me, and this may just be based on name value, to really uh, – say that you can't trust Aaron Rodgers. So if I have Aaron Rodgers, especially in a super flex league, I'm still rolling him out there pretty much every week with confidence just because he's Aaron Rodgers. 100%. It's hard to uh, hard to rest that one. No doubt about it. Melvin Gordon, they've been slowly getting him back into the offense. New offensive coordinator this week. And shocker, they gave him 20 carries, 80 yards, two scores. Eckler still had 12 carries for 70 yards. Uh, when it came to the passing game, Gordon had three for 29. Eckler, four for 23. Are you believing this is Gordon's backfield? Are we still in such a committee? It's hard to decide who to play each week. So I have both in one league, and I think I even started both this week, which worked out well for me. But, you know, the thing about Austin Eckler that I don't think most people realize is pre-Gordon, he was the RB2 in terms of total fantasy points and points per game. And then when Gordon came back, there's been a drop-off, but not as much as you might expect. He's now in the week since Gordon's been back. He's actually the RB9 and also, I believe, the RB9 in points per game in PPR. 
So Eckler is a guy that I still feel pretty confident starting every week, even with Gordon back. It feels like Gordon's actually the one who, and correct me if I'm wrong, Bubba, if you don't feel this way at all, but Gordon is the one that I almost feel more hesitant to plug into my lineup, or if I have other options, I might plug in over him. No, I'm with you 100%. I've been a big Eckler fan, and I was getting really frustrated because, like you said, Eckler was buying just CMC for best numbers fantasy-wise. In those first few games back, he was still the man, but they just kept trying to force it to Gordon and force it to Gordon, and they did it again this week. And it was like a, you know, it's like two thirds to like 66 to, to 33 type thing, which isn't going to work. Eckler's the better player for them right now. I think we've seen it time and time again. Gordon fell into the end zone twice, so people are going to celebrate this week. If he hasn't fallen into the end zone, they basically have the same numbers. And Eckler did it in a, a third of the action, basically. So they need to get Eckler the ball. I wish it was just Eckler's game. And I've been a big Gordon guy for years. I've had him in a lot of teams. I didn't touch him this year. I didn't like how the situation was playing out. And it's very frustrating. Like I, like you said, if you got to start them both, start them both. If you got to start one, I start Eckler. Eckler. That's just me, though. Yeah, I'm 100% with you on that. Uh, the last part of these Chargers game, Keenan Allen. This I'm a diehard Keenan Allen fantasy fan. It started out great, got hurt. Now that Gordon's been back, the production has just gone out the window. Do you have any insight, any thoughts on Keenan Allen struggling so much since Gordon's return? Yeah, I'm a big Keenan Allen fan too. In fact, when I mentioned earlier in Dynasty about targeting injured players and trading for them on the cheap, my strategy pretty much originated with trying to trade for Keenan Allen when he had the kidney injury, and that worked out pretty well in most leagues. I have, um, I've had started to divest a bit. I have one Keenan Allen share left in my Dynasty leagues, and I recently sold another for DJ Moore and a 2021 first because, as I mentioned, I'm a big DJ Moore fan, and I think he is possibly what's next at the position. In terms of redraft, though, it's really weird, period, because honestly, when Keenan Allen is in the lineup, and Philip Rivers is in the lineup, his target share is usually ridiculous, like hovering around 30%, if not more. So I really don't know what's going on. I That whole offense to me has felt weird since Melvin Gordon has been back. And I'm not trying to sound like I'm blaming Melvin Gordon, but it almost feels like Melvin Gordon came back and they realized he was unhappy. So they're trying to force him into it and he's just not meshing with the offense that are running while he was out that's just me hypothesizing now i'm 100 percent with you that's kind of what i was trying to say earlier is it feels like ever since gordon's come back they're forcing him the ball they're, they forgot about eckler they forgot about allen they forgot what, what their success got them there and they're just gonna keep feeding gordon which is weird for a guy that held out for his own reasons and not for the team's reasons to go feed him the ball i don't get it but that's not my job. They changed offensive coordinators, and we'll see how that plays out. But right now it makes it a little more frustrating, and it's hard to bench Allen. You have to pretty much just play him and hope it plays out. But it's darn tricky. What wasn't tricky was watching the Baltimore Ravens dismantle the New England Patriots 37-20. to 20. And it's not tricky because you have a cheat code named Lamar Jackson. It was absolutely amazing. Does it week in and week out? What's just, just for fun, what's your thoughts on Lamar Jackson like, I wasn't the biggest guy. I did not like him. Let me clarify that. But, you know, there's certain people in this industry that just absolutely love Lamar Jackson. And right now they are doing all the victory laps on the planet. And I, can't, <laughs> I can't stop them because what he's doing is amazing. I didn't think running quarterbacks would work. We've seen it. He's a different breed. And I, I said it a couple of weeks ago when they played Seattle. I got to watch that whole game. The first time I've watched 
a whole Lamar, uh, Lamar game in a long time, and he just glides around out there like he's on ice and people can't touch him. It is amazing to watch. What's your thoughts on Lamar Jackson? Yeah, uh, I have to own up to the fact that I wasn't the biggest Lamar Jackson guy either. Uh, when he came out, I definitely preferred some of the quarterbacks in his class to him. Uh, that said, he is super fun to watch. You know, watching the game last night, besides a few turnover mistakes, the Ravens really dominated the Patriots, which I can't say I expected at all or thought were words that I'd be uttering. But I think that's just because I got so used to watching Joe Flacco's Ravens. In fact, I tweeted last night, this isn't your this isn't your Flacco's Ravens, which was intended to be like, this isn't your father's Ravens. This is a new breed of Ravens offense, and it's really fun to watch. My concern, and I hate to be that guy, and I'm sure I'm going to get a lot of flack about this, is in some ways it feels to me like the Chip Kelly offense or watching Kaepernick come out and dominate at first and the league adjusted to both. I'm not sure if that's going to happen, especially because Jackson is just so fast and opens up so many options in the passing game and the run game that it's ridiculous. But I think at the same time, I remember feeling that way about Chip Kelly's offense in the first year that just seemed like they played so fast. How could the league possibly catch up? I still think Jackson will have a good career, but I don't know if he's going to be this ridiculous. That's kind of how I am. Like eventually, like I don't root for injuries at all, but it's just kind of the way the game works. If you're going to keep putting yourself out there, you're going to get hurt eventually. And he does do what people said is he's, he's able to move around and avoid the big hits, which you see when you watch him out there. But there were even a couple of times last night he was going right for it. And I'm like, that's going to backfire eventually. <laughs> it's not going to – I know he's bigger than most quarterbacks, but you're playing with fire eventually when you need your arms and your legs to be a quarterback, unlike some other positions where you just kind of grab it and go type thing. So we'll see how it works, but for now it's fun to watch. I was totally wrong on that one. When you talk about him, though, something he's done the whole season is he spreads the ball out. It's hard week in and week out to pinpoint a guy. For a while it was you know, Hollywood Brown and Mark Andrews, but then Brown gets hurt, Andrews starts dropping balls. We see Nick Boyle get five targets, five catches for 27 and a score. Do you feel safe or confident playing any of these receivers in the Ravens offense? Yeah, uh I am a big Mark Andrews guy. I know he hasn't been as good as he was in the first few weeks in the season, but I really think that he and Lamar do have a connection. I know that Nick Boyle was frustrating Andrews owners, myself included, last night, because if Andrews got more work, I would maybe have won another matchup or two last night. Um, But he's a guy that seems to get open down the field, and Lamar seems to like throwing to him. I also think that Marquise Brown and Hollywood, as uh, some call him, being back and being on the field adds another element to the offense that they were missing. So I definitely like those two. In terms of the other options, uh, when I saw, for example, the extension for Willie Sneed, I think I audibly said, why? So <laughs> that, was, uh, that was strange. Yeah, that tells you everything you need to know about how I feel about pretty much all of the other Ravens passing options. But those are two guys that I definitely want to be invested in. Yeah, and then the last thing I have for you here on the Patriots side of things, we know Julian Edelman's going to get his. He had 11 targets, 10 catches. We know James White's going to have his. He did it in the running game. He's actually the lead running at nine, nine attempts. Plus, he had two catches for 46 yards. Finally found the end zone, thank goodness, as a James White owner. Um, but you got Mohamed Sanu, second game with the team. Got some action sprinkled in last week. This week, 14 targets, 
10 for 81 and a touchdown. He was a very, very important part of this offense. Sure, they lost the game, but this seems like some Edelman and Sanu. Man, I'm not saying they're both going to get 10 catches every week. I'm not crazy. But you buying in if Sanu could be fantasy viable weekly now? Yeah, well, let me start. And I know I've talked a lot about my SFB team, but of course, Sanu had his biggest game of the year against me in SFB this week. Uh, I have a ton of points in SFB, but I've also had a ton of points against. So that just seems to be the way it worked. And so as soon as I saw that I was playing against him, I kind of figured he's going to have a blow-up game. I'm sorry. I should have told everybody so that they could have put it, them in their DFS lineups. But uh, I do think that he's going to get some good volume. What I find interesting, and this could just be, again, from a dynasty slant, is uh, Nikhil Harry was mm-hmm. finally taking off the injured reserve. He was inactive for this game. But if I was the Patriots and it spent this first round pick on him, and I know uh, maybe Belichick doesn't care as much about draft capital as some other coaches, I would try to find a way to start to get him some work this season so that going into next season, he's ready to be used. So I don't know if he might vulture some of Sanu's looks, but Sanu is definitely a guy who at minimum is flex worthy and best case scenario could be a very high end wide receiver three with like a wide receiver two type ceiling so he's definitely a guy that and uh there's a friend of mine who's trying to sell him on a rebuilding team in dynasty and i think he's only looking for like a second round pick i'm not going to play it pay it because my wide receivers are good but if you're listening and you're in that league you should probably pay it <laughs> you should probably pay it yes the new should get his and i agree uh, like wide receiver wide receiver three at worst most weeks because he should probably still get at least five catches a week in that offense um, what I see Harry doing, because yeah, you mentioned he was off the injured list. He actually traveled with the team, and then was, people thought he'd play. Then he was ruled inactive. I think he kind of takes over for Philip Dorsett. I think we start seeing him disappear. Dorsett only had four targets, two for 13 this week, but we've seen Dorsett used more often in recent weeks. So I think Harry's a great guy to pick up if he's out there. I think they will make a point to get him. He might be their deep threat. They, you know, the, the Patriots always love that deep threat where they'll go two or three times a game out of nowhere and just go up top. Harry could be that guy. So it wouldn't be a bad one to have, especially with Josh Gordon out of town now. All right, that wraps up our recap of the Week 9 action. Any final thoughts, anything fantasy-relevant that you'd like to discuss before we head on out of here, Bobby? Uh, Not particularly. I thought we went pretty in-depth there. I'll be – I think of the things we discussed, one of the things that I'll be watching most closely just because it has some uh, personal notes to me as well as – whether Gardner Minshew is going to retain his starting job or not, because honestly, it's been one of the more fun stories of the mm-hmm. season. So I hope that it continues. But if Nick Foles comes back, I'm sure something fun will happen because it's Jacksonville and they seem to have ridiculous stories come out of that franchise all the time. Uh, but yeah, that's the one I'll be watching. Yeah, if for some reason Nick Foles comes back and replaces Minshew Mania. They need to at least let Minshew hang out in the pool during the game and like have a party <laughs> or something, because this guy is—he's too good. He's too good of a personality to just waste around holding a clipboard. Or make him like a special announcer only for Jaguars games. Oh, it'd be like WWE out there with him. It'd be amazing. Just like just oh, he'd be ripping off stuff left and right. It'd be so awesome. I'd be a big fan of that. He—he's he, got that personality that sports needs sometimes. Sports sometimes can get too serious. Minshew doesn't get serious, and I love it. Love everything about it, and uh, I'm, I'm good with it. And it's fun watching, like you said, you're growing out your your mustache, and 
We've seen guys lose bets and have been dressed like him for videos and stuff. What he's done for the fantasy community has been awesome. And it's uh, it's been fun to watch. It's one guy that pretty much we've all gotten around saying this is fun. And that's what this whole game is. It's supposed to be fun. So uh, that's pretty awesome there. Well, Bobby, before we sign off, once again, remind everybody where they can find all your work. Sure. So you can find my work pretty much exclusively at Dynasty League Football. That's at DL Football on Twitter. Uh, you can find me at Rec Fantasy. That's R-E-K-E-D Fantasy on Twitter. And I'd be remiss not to mention I am not a Twitter tough guy as much as John Bosch and a few others like to call me a Twitter tough guy. Uh, I love interacting with people on Twitter. So if you want to hit me up, hit me up. And I look forward to talking football, comics, Netflix, movies, you name it. I'm game. Awesome. I always like the people that can talk more than just their fantasy sports. So that's good stuff right there. Everybody, go check out Bobby on Twitter. Like I said, at Rec Fantasy, R-E-K-E-D Fantasy. And Bobby, thanks for joining me, man. It's been an absolute pleasure getting to chat with you and talk some fantasy football. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been great. All right, everybody. This is Bench with Bubba, episode 222 with Bobby Koch, recapping the fantasy football week nine action. Catch you all later.